A warm welcome to everybody. My name is Aston and welcome to my channel. I'll be uploading a lot of ministry content, some preaching, some Christian apologetics, substance abuse recovery material, and some life coaching principles and strategies. So what we're going to be doing over the next two weeks is we, I'm starting a new series and it's called growth as a believer and we're going to be jumping around um i, I want to say this from the get-go that it is such a broad topic and uh, we're not gonna cover within this series um every single point about a growth of a believer but we're just gonna narrow down to certain things but um, there's always the big question of, you know, what happens to my life once I get saved? But as a foundation today, we're going to look at salvation. And we're going to be building up from there. A lot of which I'm going to be sharing is from Peter. Um, the reason being, Peter shares with uh, the Christians in exile that um, the suffering can be viewed as a gift of God. And can actually be used to actually develop one. But I will say this as well, that that's not the only areas of development for a Christian. Oftentimes we think that only when I suffer, I'm being tested and trialed as a disciple. No, there's other areas like obedience. Um, there's other areas like prayer. Um, there's other areas like scripture memorization. Um, there's other areas like being sanctified, being set apart, being less like the world, more like uh, God. So hence I'm saying it's such a broad one. But there's, for the light of what we're going to be looking at today, there's that song, I'm sure many are familiar with it, and uh, the lyrics goes, um, easy like a Sunday morning. But oftentimes we will play that and our hopes and our desires is that life would just be swift, you know, life will be easy, easy like a Sunday morning. But I think the reality of all of us, or um, everybody, when you go through life, is that life is nothing but easy, like a Sunday morning. Now, the challenge then is that a lot of people assume that life should be blissful, life should be easy, life should be soft, um, and even when you look at uh, the book of uh, a very popular false teacher, He's written a book um, that is called Living Your Best Life Now. And um, in actual fact, the Bible tells you that this life on earth would probably be the worst life, but your best life would be that of all eternity. But as a foundation, I'm going to look at um, Peter's doxology. Um, his literature written in a way of a, in worship. Um, hence, I'm labeling it as a doxology this morning and we'll be looking at chapter 1 from verse 3 all the way to verse 12 and as we go through it we'll just dissect each part so he says this blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because of his great mercy he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead so just a bit of context 
Peter, who is an apostle, if you look at uh, chapter 1, verse uh, 1 and 2, um, it gives us a good understanding. Um, Peter, who is an apostle, we know a bit of Peter throughout the Bible. Um, Peter, um, formerly known as Simon, um, his name gets changed to uh, Peter, um, he is, which is translated rock. He is the one that denies Jesus, but then becomes one of the most faithful disciples in the New Testament. Uh, Peter has the responsibility of establishing uh, the church and then later on gets called to a broader missionary. But there is a lot of Christians that are scattered out. And he actually writes this letter to them because while they are scattered out, it is at a time where some persecution is breaking out. So life isn't so blissful and so easy for these Christians because there is a persecution that is breaking out. So we see this, um, Peter chapter 1, it says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those chosen, loving, uh, loving as exiles, dispressed aboard in, and then he gives an account of all the places, Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Pythia, chosen according to the foreknowledge of God the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ. May grace and peace multiply to you. So a lot of the lingo that uh, Peter would be using would be that of the Old Testament. So for an example, um, in those verses here, um, to be obedient and to be sprinkled with the blood of Jesus, in essence, we know that in the Old Testament, um, the blood is placed on the mercy seat in the place where we find redemption. And here he's just making the note that it's in Christ that we find redemption. We can't become obedient to God if we haven't made, been made obedient to God through what Jesus Christ has done through his blood on the cross. So keep in mind, we laying down a bit of a foundation because before we can speak about what is growth for a believer, let's establish what is a believer. Okay, so before we say, okay, this is what growth looks like, let's speak about what does being a believer look like. So some things that we learn here is God actually chooses people. Um, we see the word uh, chosen in verse 2. Um, and then we see, um, he says, uh, actually twice um, in verse 1, uh, we see to those chosen. And then he closes off again, chosen. And then we see that it's through the sovereignty of God, according to the foreknowledge of the Father, through the sanctifying work of the Spirit. So now let's get into our passage. Verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of, Christ, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. So here he says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So this is that doxology. It's, it's, it's like a praise. It's, it's a worship. He's worshiping God. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's singing out and bursting out in this, this doxology. And then he explains to us why. Because he says, because of his great mercy. He has given us a new birth into a living hope. Now, here begs the question, if we have a new birth into a living hope, what was wrong with the first birth? 
Now, we know throughout Scripture that the Bible tells us we must be born again. So oftentimes you'll hear people say that, and they'll use it to justify their sin. I was born this way, you know. I think God made me this way. Yeah, well, you were born that way, but that's why you need to be born again. That's why you need the new birth, because there's something wrong with your birth. Your birth, as much as you are made by God, you are God's creation, you are sold off to a slave essence. We are born of Adam, a seed of Adam, um, which Romans chapter 5 explains to us from about verse 12. We are born of a seed of Adam, and sin comes into the world through Adam, making all of us sinful. We do what we can't help doing. Let's be honest. We do what we can't help doing. On so fun sin, we like it. It's, it's appetizing, it seems nice, and we are drawn and enticed to it. But the problem is, not everything that seems to present itself as nice is actually that of what it is. And after a period of time, you actually realize that that desire and quenching that desire of sin leads to more destruction and self-condemnation than anything else. So there's a problem with the life that we have. And we need this new life, this new birth. But who's the one that gives that? And that's what causes Peter to go into this doxology. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of what? Because of His great mercy. He has given us a new birth. So we learn something here that God is merciful. Now, we need to understand what the word mercy is. So oftentimes people assume that mercy and grace are the same. But it's not. Grace is God giving you something that you don't deserve. For an example, salvation. You don't deserve salvation. You haven't done anything to be saved. So God gives you salvation. And that's why it's called grace. And grace is atoned for through the blood of Jesus Christ. And that's where we find the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus Christ. Um, and then we see now here the word being used, mercy. Now mercy is God withholding what you do deserve. So, um, I don't know if yous, if, yous, if yous have a similar experience, but I can remember when uh, I was younger with uh, my siblings, if we were wrestling each other, and then the one got the one on the floor, and it's like, I got you down. And they put all their weight on you, and they're pushing on you, and then you have to say, mercy, mercy, mercy. And then uh, they'll let you go when you say mercy. But they don't need to let you go. You will get what you deserve. They will pin you to the ground, and they will continue to demolish you until you cry out, mercy, 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 and then it's their choice to let you off the hook. Now, mercy is God letting us off the hook. Mercy is God knowing that we are, we are sinners, um, we are deserving of His wrath, but what does He do? He withholds that, and He atones for that on Christ. Um, so, mercy is God withholding what we deserve. So, Blessed be, the, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, because of His great mercy, He has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And there He explains to us how that comes about. It's through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. The fact that God raised Jesus up to a new life gives us the hope of a new life. We know that we can have a new life. Why? God has proven that by raising Jesus from the dead. And into, um, and into an 
inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. So when I read this, I automatically uh, think about Paul's letter to um, the Ephesians. Uh, God has blessed us in Christ with all spiritual blessings in the heavens. Now, oftentimes when we think about blessings or being blessed, we always apply to the here and the now. Now, it's not to say that we aren't blessed in the here and the now, but the full measure of blessing you don't experience on the here and the now. In other words, you don't really live your best life now. You don't really enjoy the perks of the blessings of God here and now. So how do we see that in the text? Well, let's look at it. Verse 4. And into an inheritance. Number one, it's an inheritance. We're not there yet. We still need to get there. And he's sharing to these uh, Christians in exile that they're not there yet. It's something that has a future tense to it. They have not received an inheritance as yet. The inheritance is there and it's secure, but the inheritance is beyond what we see in the year and in the now. And into an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading. So here it tells us that this type of inheritance is not one that can be squandered off or spent quickly. It's not one that's going to lose its value. So let's say maybe somebody gets a car as an inheritance, you know, um, or somebody gets a house as an inheritance. Sometimes the value of certain things go up and sometimes the value of certain things go down. You know, value of property, it's, it's always there. But over a amount of years, if you don't change certain things within that property, imagine uh, 40 years down the line, the toilet's never been changed. The roof has never been changed. It's going to eventually actually lose value than build in value. But the inheritance that we have, um, the Bible describes that it is imperishable, so it doesn't fade away. It is undefiled and unfading. And then he tells us where this is. And here it comes, kept in heaven for you. See, I told you, that inheritance, that blessing that we're all looking for, it's not in the here and the now. But it's actually in heaven. So what are we seeing from the passage? Well, God is a merciful God that gives us a new birth into a living hope. That hope that is found in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And not just that, but God gives us an inheritance. One that doesn't lose its value. And it's reserved and kept in a life that is far better than this life that we will have. Uh, verse 5. You are being guarded by God's power through faith for a salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So we are guarded by God. Okay, listen to this. We are guarded by God's power through faith. So we know that obviously, we, we, us who are here today, we haven't seen the resurrected Jesus Christ. We are not Paul the Apostle. We are not Peter that is writing this that has actually seen, nor even as some of the others that have become believers. Um, some of them haven't seen Jesus um, with their own eyes. But they put faith in Him, in the eternal life that they'll have. But that is how God guards us with His power. You are being guarded by God's power through what? Through faith. For what? Salvation. That is ready to be revealed in the last time. You, verse 6, rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, 
if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. So look at what Peter is saying. He's saying, look, there's a future inheritance that you have. Um, it doesn't fade away. It doesn't. It's undefiled. It's imperishable. Um, this is a reserve that God has for you that has brought and shown you salvation. He has given you mercy through this new birth. It's in a loving hope. Um, all of this is reserved for you. It's guarded for you um, uh, through faith. So the way one accesses that is in belief through faith for what? For salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So here I'm going, it echoes out what we find in the book of Romans. Um, now the suffering of this present time is not worth comparing to the glory that is going to be revealed in us. God doesn't promise us that life is going to be easy like a Sunday morning. I know we love for life to be easy like a Sunday morning, but I think the sooner we come to terms with this, we can realize. Now, here comes the thing. Sometimes the pursuit of people's life is to make life easier. And I don't see anything wrong with that. But we need to understand that life will have its fair challenges and its ups and its downs. There is times where it's up and there's times where it's down. There's a time where these Christians were celebrating the fact that they were saved. But guess what? Now they're in exile. Now they're scattered abroad. Now they're no longer together. They are scattered. And guess what? They are facing persecution for their faith. They are going through the biggest challenge. Their lives are being demanded from them because of their belief in this inheritance that they have, because of their hope that they have in this salvation. He says, verse 6, You rejoice in this, in what? In all that is said before. If necessary, you suffer grief in various trials. But now, a common thread that we see throughout Scripture is that trials brings about some sort of a maturity of character, some sort of a development and some sort of a growth. We see this um, in the book of Job. We see this in the book of James. We see this in the book of Peter. And we even see this in uh, Romans chapter 5 from verse 3. The sufferings. We see it uh, elsewhere also in Romans. So this is a common thread throughout Scripture. Old Testament, New Testament. God uses difficulties. God uses hardship. To what? To actually grow us, to actually develop us. Now, keep this in mind. That is not the only source of growth for a believer. And we're going to be looking at other aspects as we go throughout the series. But this is a foundation that we are laying that we're having faith in God and growing as a believer doesn't mean life is going to be easy. It doesn't mean you, you, you have acknowledged that Jesus Christ is Lord. God has chosen you according to his foreknowledge. The fact that you can acknowledge that is because you are chosen. You are, you are growing in your belief with God. And you are growing in the sanctification work and power of the Holy Spirit. But it doesn't promise you that life is going to be easy. It's not easy like a Sunday morning. Even though now for a short time he says, if necessary, you're suffering, you're, you suffer grief in various trials. So that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which, through peri which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honor 
to the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now, have you ever seen somebody that has gone through the world's biggest hardship? And you've actually seen them endure that. You will actually look at the character as someone that has something that is precious and valuable. You will look at that person like, you, we, we look at celebrities like that. Did, did you know they were once homeless? Did you know they, they once never had money? But in actual fact, us as Christians, through the difficulty and the hardship that, truth be told, even our faith might bring us. So believing in God will actually cause division between you and people. It will cause people to not like you. It will cause you to be persecuted. In our country, we don't have a persecution for our faith and we are blessed with that. But there's other countries where they have to smuggle the Bible in page by page. They can't gather together like we are right now. Their government finds in their search history on Google that they were searching pages of the Bible. They could be put into prison. And this was the reality for those who were sharing their faith that Peter is writing to. But he's saying that hardship, that difficulty that you're going through, you actually have to go through that because God uses that to grow and develop your character. And when you grow and you develop your character, when your faith is being put to the test, guess what? It's more valuable than gold. Now, I don't know about you, but I like me some gold. Now, I wouldn't mind a beautiful gold chain, not an oversized chain, a dark chain, no, not a dark chain. But I would love me some gold. When we look at it, we appreciate the value of what it actually is, the weight, the measure. Um, we, we, we value it for it's gold. But there's more to what is glamorous that we can put on our body than what we can actually be developed through hardships in life. Sufferings in life can produce a proven character in the faith that we have. And that's so much more valuable than any form of jewelry that we can adorn ourselves with. He says this, more valuable than gold, which though perishable is refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor at the revelation of Jesus. And then he says, verse 8, Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though not seeing him now, you believe in him. And, and you rejoice with inexpressible and glorious joy, because you are receiving the goal of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Have we physically seen him? So we see here that from what Peter is saying that it's obvious that the people that he's writing to haven't physically seen Jesus. But they have a faith in him. People will, people will ask us the question, you know, uh, how can you prove to me the existence of your God? Well, other than the fact that we have an inerrant and infallible scripture of eyewitness accounts passed down to other and multiple eyewitness accounts, during the lifetime of other eyewitness accounts, other than the fact that we have a historic collection, evidence of Scripture, we have proof of that. We put our faith in what we read about through history. So for an example, if, if I come to you and I tell you about something that happened at Spa, you just weren't there. I mean, in, in, in the day of the Bible, uh, they, 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 or in the biblical day and age, they didn't have the type of technology that we have today. It's not, like, it's not like Paul the Apostle could leave us a video and say, hey man, this is what I saw. It's not like we could actually have recorded the resurrection of Jesus. No, we don't have that recorded in video format. 
but it's just as good as video format because we have eyewitnesses testifying to his majesty and us who place our faith in him what is the faith that we are actually placing in him because verse 9 says this to us so let's let's go from verse 8 though you have not seen him you love him though not seeing him now you believe in him and rejoice with inexpressible glorious joy because you are listen to this receiving the goal of your faith so what's the goal of our faith the salvation of your souls is that at some point in time which is not here now we will experience that goal of our faith we will experience the salvation of our souls so if we're waiting for a time to experience that it gives us the answer that we're not going to experience all of that now we do have inexpressible uh, rejoicing uh, glorious joy we see all of that in verse 8 we we do rejoice in that but we're rejoicing in what we're rejoicing in a god that we haven't seen Although there is these, these, un, these invisible attributes that the Bible speaks about, like the stars, like the sun, like, like nature that we can see around us. All of that screams of God's creation. But we worship Him. In spite of the fact that there might be various trials, there might be challenges, there might be sufferings, there might be hardships. We don't have our best life now. It's not easy like a Sunday morning. But why? Because of the faith that we have. And we want to reach that goal of our faith one day. The salvation of our souls. Now, verse 10. Concerning the salvation, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that would come to you, searched and carefully investigated. They inquired into what, what time or what circumstances the spirit of christ within them was um, indicating when he testified in advance to the sufferings of christ and the glories that would follow so the message that they hold dear to remember we have the letter in front of us this morning we have what peter wrote but they didn't have any form of writing other than what was prophesied about in the old testament now it's like concerning what those prophets were prophesying about. Guess what? They were prophesying about Jesus. The coming of Jesus, the suffering of Jesus, and the entering into glory of Jesus. Now think about this. God himself even suffered before entering his glory. Jesus Christ suffered the crucifixion. Jesus Christ having the 100% experience of God and the 100% experience of man is able to relate to us as a man. So if you're going through some sort of a hardship and I tell you I've been there too, you would look at me as some sort of an example if I've come through it. But why don't we look to Jesus as that example? He suffered before entering his glory. Um, so we see that account that, that, that he shares there. Um, when he testified in advance to the suffering of Christ and the glories that would follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves but you. So who was the prophets actually serving? They weren't even serving themselves by sharing their prophecies. 
but to those that would come throughout the generations and the nations thereafter. And then it says, These things have now been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. And listen to this. This is the cherry on the cake. Is angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. So what that verse is suggesting is that angels long to get... So, so keep this in mind. Jesus didn't die for an angel. Hello. He died to atone for the death that you and I deserve. He died because you deserve to die. I deserve to die. We deserve to die. He died to atone for our death. And although this body will still go to the grave, it has the ability to be resurrected with ease one day. So, we know that why the proof of the resurrection, we put our faith and the goal of our faith is the salvation of our souls. And the prophets prophesied about the sufferings even of Christ before he enters his glory. And guess what? Even the angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. Now, when you go to a specific scene in heaven, there's a scene where the angels don't cease to say, holy, holy, holy. Imagine it. They see him and they just see, holy, holy, holy. But is the relationship that the angels have with God the same like ours? No. Jesus didn't atone for any of their sins. They are not fallen. The fallen angels are destined to yell. That we know. He didn't die for them. He died for us. That have been oppressed and opposed by them and their leader Satan. We are the ones that he chooses to bring grace and to bring mercy. But what is the promise that he gives us? And remember we're laying a foundation. We're understanding there's a need for salvation. Why we need this new birth into a living hope. Because we have sin. And we need this redemption through the blood of Jesus Christ. We need to put our faith in the salvation of our souls. That's what we need to do. But the Bible is not promising us that everything is easy like a Sunday morning. But one level to maturity and to growth is verse 6. You rejoice in this, even though now for a short time, if necessary, you suffer grief in various trials, so that the proven character of your faith, more valuable than gold, which though perishable, is refined by fire, may result in the praise, glory, and honor to the revelation of Jesus. A big part of our growth as a believer is not to lose sight of the message. We haven't seen Him, yet we believe in Him. We believe in His majesty, in His resurrection. And we know in His Word. For, 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 for Paul's audience, it was a, a full-on revelation for them because they were scattered because of persecution. But for us, we might not be scattered today because of our persecution, but it doesn't change the fact that we'll have various trials and we grow through those. Let us be refined. Let us be like gold today before the sight of God. And let us remember that even the angels long to catch a glimpse of these things. These things in which Jesus Christ came to lay down his life. 
not to give us a promise that, hey, it's going to be easy like a Sunday morning, but in the end, it will be worth it. Not because of our works, but because of the works of what He has done. Amen.